Hi, this is Sweeney Murdy from WFAN, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Everybody, welcome, welcome on back uh, once again. I'm gonna have to start the podcast with a with an apology. I feel like every week I have to apologize to the the loyal listeners of this podcast here. Uh, to be fair, Scott, you don't have to do it every week because the reason you're apologizing is it's not every week. Yeah, that that, that is true. Um, it has been. Um, Quite an interesting couple of weeks here. Um, I would say even just, we'll just call it an interesting summer um, over the last, we'll consider June, July, uh, the summer months here. And it's been hard to get uh, the podcast out because we have, we've had some, a lot of things going on. I, I know I've, I've addressed it in the last couple podcasts. I was moving. Um, I was trying to sell a house, buy a house. It's been a one hell of a process. But as of today, Mike, as you can see, as I'm in this, um, I don't know what this is. It's the same place, Scott. Wait a minute. What the hell? <laughs> you lazy SOB. Since we don't do video, I can get mad at you and everybody will believe me. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't feel like talking to you guys for, for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were just in the back smoking some Mickeys, just saying to yourself, I don't need this podcast stuff. Those people will come crawling back to me. I was I was with you till you used the term smoking Mickey's. Um, wow. Why not? <laughs> that seems like a Scott Brennan thing to do. And I'll, you know, I just, what's the up to? Ah, that SOP's probably in the back smoking a couple Mickey's. Smoking you know that? You put, where'd you pull that one from? Like your, your 1940s word bank there? Uh, to be fair, 50s. 50s what's wrong with you <laughs> but anyway i'm in this um what i would call the sunroom of the house now i had explained that the uh the house is just in in two years it'll be a hundred years old so a hundred year old house comes with a hundred year old problems it also comes with uh mike as you could see a hundred year old colors <laughs> whatever this <laughs> lime uh, sea foam green i would call it um uh, trim in the sunroom and there's a little you might hear a little bit of an echo for now because the uh there's no furniture in this room so we got high ceilings mm. no furniture so i might sound slightly different but this is where we're doing it for for uh right now so now is there any way we can get the green a little darker to match the shenanigans emblem oh yeah and that's the that's paint. the plan i already told my wife we're gonna make this room green and yellow or it's gonna be like the sonic yeah. slash verbal shenanigans room when the when the sonics come back we'll we'll put some sean kemp jerseys on here i just saw sean kemp throw out the first pitch by the way did you see that i don't know if that was a recent no, clip oh my god uh i don't know if that was a recent clip or a couple years ago but he's like 800 pounds he's he's getting <laughs> he, he's getting close to uh being like embarrassingly uh embarrassingly big but anyway we he, are back he basically can't jump to make the rain anymore <laughs> yeah we are back i am also uh i am also solo dad for this whole week my wife is is traveling or well, is currently in israel for work so she's halfway around the globe so i've been pulling 
single dad duty. So I, I must say right mm-hmm. off the bat, any of you single parents out there, God bless you. I don't know how anybody does this full time. Now, you did explain to your wife that they do have Jewish delis in New York, right? Like when they said go to a Jewish deli, she didn't really have to like hop on the plane. Yeah, yeah. Like, I told her I really like, I really want authentic and she took that a little a little too far, but Yeah, I, I feel the sauerkraut's gonna be very damp by the time she gets back to the States with those sandwiches. Yeah. But uh yeah, so that that's been going on, so that's been a little hard to record. Um been moving in this house, like I said, that's been a little hard to record and then supposed to go away. Um, I'm supposed to be flying out to Germany on Monday, but my son's passport has still not arrived. And I have been on the Mm. phone with the passport company for about two hours a day. And nobody helps me. And they just say, all you have to do is check the website. And all it says is processing and um, that they can't help me. So I might not be going to Germany, Mike. So it's been quite a stressful few weeks. Let me help you. Uh, when, When it says processing, refresh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's all I had to do? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the problem. And all. Maybe <laughs> if you refresh the page, yeah. then magically, it's like when you hit the refresh, the, the computers like actually poke the person. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. So someone just like in charge of just my passport, just lazily sitting at a keyboard like, hmm, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like doing much today. I don't. That's it. Yeah. And then his boss comes up. Yo, he refreshed. Oh, snap. I got to look important. Dang. Yeah. Dang. Got to get that baby passport ready. Yeah. But anyway, so we are back and we do have some fantastic guests. Um, I can't promise you these next three weeks are going to be all episodes, but we will, as the summer goes on, we will work our way back to our, our once a week Monday releases and uh, Mike, what is that I hear in the background? That's the audience crying that we're still not at one a week. Yeah, it's Scott. weird. It, it doesn't sound like your yeah. cat that likes to. Interrupt. Dom, get out of the room, okay? We're doing our best. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the cat that usually you know he makes his hmm. way on the appearance uh, on the podcast. Yeah. It is yeah. what's going on here. Um, let me see if I can get it over. It's currently looking for her mommy, but uh, <laughs> impromptu addition to the Burlu family. Uh, we just got ourselves uh, just last weekend a chocolate lab puppy. A chocolate, and there, and there she is. There she is. I know you people listening are like, "What?" But if you uh, you were on the Zoom call, you would see. Our chocolate lab Boykin mix. Her name is Leia Sky. So, um, you know, this all started. Mike's always been obsessed with dogs. In fact, he does um, mm-hmm. pup play in the bedroom. It's one of his um, fetishes. You can go back several episodes to to confirm to that. Pup. Yeah, with Caspop and yeah. <laughs> didn't we have him on and, twice? And, the, and, and when I asked uh, the NASCAR now NASCAR driver Sage Karam, "Are you a good boy?" to prove I wasn't obsessed with dogs. He's a NASCAR driver now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he uh, he did his thing as Indy. He's currently doing a part-time thing in the, the Xfinity, that is the second-tier series. Yep. Trying to get his uh, feet wet there. I mean, it's just like any other driver. They're just trying to find some settling where they can race and have good equipment and get some money. That's cool. So how did this uh, opportunity to get yet another dog come about? Well, 
my wife has a way of willing these things in the world. I've come to that conclusion. So her boss, uh, her, has, her son adopted this chocolate lab puppy in the hopes that his, uh, I think it's a three-year-old or four-year-old uh, child will have an, an animal to grow up with. And uh, they live with my wife's boss, who currently already have four dogs in their place. <laughs> yeah, so this would be the fifth one in their place. So, like, the second she brings up to my wife, we have a new puppy. She gets excited. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Gets the pictures of this cute little puppy. And she, anytime anybody has a cute puppy picture or cute animal picture, it's the same thing. She goes, you got to be careful. I want to steal it. I want to steal it. <laughs> so, so let's go a couple weeks after this phenomena happens. The uh, person who bought the dog, um, I guess, busy with life having a three, four-year-old, having a full-time job. Um, my wife's boss was constantly telling him, you keep this up, I'm going to bring the dog to Izzy. I'm bringing the dog to Izzy, just jokingly and everything. And it got to the point where realizing it's hard keeping track of a puppy, he just said one day, check with uh, Izzy, see she wants the dog. So I'm just downstairs on a Thursday to hear Mike, I got a thing I have to ask you. And she kind of eased it in and uh -huh. she's like, you know, this chocolate lab, we can get it. We just have to drive four hours for it. Right. And um, it was a lot of thinking for me as much as I am a dog lover. My first love is our dog. Callie and my questions come about, you know, not exactly the, she's not exactly the friendliest dog type with other dogs. Um, she would eventually got to be friends with Obi, but that incurred like nights, as you recall, being over your house and being there for three hours and hearing Broof! for three hours from my dog and really trying to link them in. It took a while, finally did it. So got on the phone with them had a few questions about her behaviors and stuff like that. And um, I finally just said to myself, you know what? Yeah. I love, we can make it work. Uh, had to kind of think in my brain. I'm like, I know Callie's about to turn eight. I know my years with her are not as long as they used to be. So I just said, you know what? Yeah, we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to grab this thing. And I always felt like, you know, it's pretty easy to get like someone to take your dog out or even possibly watch your dog for the, a night or two or a week. Or It becomes a very different dynamic when you're like, I've got two dogs now because then it becomes yeah. like that's a big undertaking for, for anyone. So I remember... My wife, when when we first moved in together, she was very like, oh, I've always wanted to get a dog. And I'm like, well, you got Obi now. And she's like, no, I want to get my my own dog. And we could have two. Imagine that. And then, like, you know, after we've had the baby and, and, and whatnot, <laughs> I'm like, uh, 
you know, she she fully sees like, thank God, you know, we didn't get a set because Obi and Shay just torture each other all day long. My like my son like will ride my dog and try to pull his ears, which are like super sensitive, and I can't even imagine having another one around. So it is like a a certain adjustment you got to make because now you're like a two dog family house. Yeah, I mean, number one, it's kind of extreme of you when your wife brought up getting a second dog. You figured I'll just get her pregnant. You know, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I really wish you were looking to be a father instead of just saying, oh, I don't want to be a two dog family, <laughs> you know, get quite pregnant. Like uh, I love dogs, you know, more than just as much as anyone. But like, you know, it depends like where where your life's at. Like, like if you could handle the two dogs, I would love to get a second one. But there is no chance we're getting a second one anytime soon. So Obi's going to remain king of the castle here. Mm, mm, that's great that's great but uh yeah so uh took about a week so like the week before wife has gone berserk on getting dog stuff getting ready for her puppy she always had a secret crush on chocolate lab so the fact that she gets a brown puppy was amazing yeah must have made like two three trips to pet smart to get ready for this ordering on amazon like crazy uh had a very interesting incident uh with the new leash so we bought two new leashes one for callie one for the new dog and this is before getting the new dog and it's one of those like 10 feet long like super crazy length i don't i i don't like a short leash where you're like getting dragged by your dog i also don't like it where it's like like i think i see it a half a mile up the road right kind of things but we got one of those so we're in the car driving back this is the day before we're supposed to leave to pick up the puppy we're just driving having a conversation and all of a sudden my car i feel a yank in my car and we're just shaking or whatever <laughs> i'm like what the you know like initially like you're looking at the road you have fear that you hit something or whatever like for the life of me, couldn't figure out. As I'm trying to figure out the car, like the wife's like, man, Callie's like sad, she's shaking or whatever in the back. So I'm like, I'm just thinking about the car right now at the moment. Yeah. I actually like pulled off the side. I'm looking under cars, seeing any damage. Like coming to the front, all I can say is, please, no blood. Please, no blood. Please, no blood. I do not want that on my conscience. No damage whatsoever. Looked under the car, got a little scared for a while because I saw leaking under it. Thank God it came to the conclusion, okay, that's water. That's from the air conditioning in the car. Yeah, I'm almost done with the story, honey. Don't yep. worry. Um, get back home. Open the back the back uh, seat for Callie to come out to see a half-ripped-off leash her leash was hanging out of the car and must have got caught at some point. And uh, it, it's on the back, so it didn't, like, do anything. But it gave her a little <laughs> jolt. But just that moment of, what the? What do you think it got caught on? Like a- I'm worried it got, I think it got caught on the tire. I think it was just so long that it, <laughs> like, flapped to the tire and just came down and ripped I just picture, leash. I mean, thank God her, it wasn't a neck one. I just picture her sucked against the the window, like <laughs> like like gravitron. <laughs> well, it was like a quick jolt. Like she saw it, so it never phased me at first. Mm-hmm. 
Because again, like all I can think about is, oh my God, we got this long ass trip because it's uh, our boss lives down in Thomasville, which is like on the Florida Georgia line. So that's a four hour trip one way. Right. So all I can think about was like, yo, we can't go if there's something wrong with the car here. But um, luckily, all we did was almost kill my original dog. But um, <laughs> Callie was fine. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Um, got. Got down, met the pup when they're in the park. They were they were totally fine, the two of them. I we're coming to the conclusion they fight inside the house because Callie's possessive of the house and food. Nothing bad, but Callie barks at her. But like the second we get them in the car or at a, another location, they get along perfectly fine. So that's a great thing right there. But uh to add one more story to this, so I'm not sure you can see. And can you see yeah. this like little yeah. bump here on the top of my head? So I see a little bump, like with I a said, little, with a little nick above it. Yeah. So, um, like I said, driving back, Callie was good for a while, and I think I, after a couple hours in the car, I realized my belt, re- my belt was hanging out the car, and it got snagged. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we learned our lesson on that one, but. Um, I think after two hours, she came to realization. It's like, wait a minute, we're not dropping off that other dog. This dog is coming with us. Kind yeah. of realization, what the hell? Kind of moments. Mm-hmm. So um, we get home, and she's doing the whole barking thing with her. Nothing bad, you know. She'll get the growls in there, but she's not attacking the dog. The dog's fine, everything like that. But she's a little jittery with the other dog, so she's laying on the ground. And like a lot of times what I do to kind of say goodnight to her, calm her down, I get down. Stick her leash in, kind of, in the door, take her for a drive, no, see, see if anything no, gets caught one, on the side of the road. I almost kill my dog once and you're going to bring it up another time. <laughs> Look, I don't understand you. Callie, but, give um, me your leash. Let me close it in the car door. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I go down and what I usually do is like I get behind her, give her a hug. You know, you spoon my dog give her a little kiss on the head to make sure it's good so i go down there and i guess she naturally assumed as like the puppy was excited keep on jumping on her and stuff like that she must have thought it was the puppy and her head just struck up whacked me i swear dog heads could freaking break Diamonds. Oh my god, my, my dog's head is up. like a cinder block. Like he just yeah. smashes doors open. He's hit me before. He's jumped on me. It's it's ridiculous. Like I saw stars. I was bleeding all over. I was, <laughs> and this is night one. Yeah, dealing with it. <laughs> that was yeah. That's about what four or five days ago. And then on top of it, it starts healing, and then the puppy gets excited while it's on the bed and like it smacked her big paws right on the thing so it opened up again uh, she's just playing so, playing with the knot on your head <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she's like try to put a leash on me in the car will you yeah, yeah i can't wait till the cat finds it <laughs> oh we had that like she's already in the other room we tried the the uh bringing her in cat comes through the the cat door like walking in, thinking nothing, turns its head, realizes there's a new dog here, gives it the WTF is this look and sprint it into the garage. And I barely see my cat since right now. 
I just, man, I can't wait till the cat finds the bump on your head as a toy and just adds to it. He's like, well, the, the other two did something to it. So. <laughs> For the love of God, cats don't go in the car. You're not going to wear a leash. <laughs> so I put the leash on the cat, took her for a ride, too. <laughs> that's how she I'll lost her that's how, that's how she lost her tail. <laughs> So, so how is uh, now? You didn't get Callie when she was a puppy, puppy. So how is how is puppy life? Because I see pictures of puppies, and I'm like, oh man, I miss puppy life. And then I think back to puppy life, and I'm like, ooh, uh, you know, puppy life is is you know, it is a challenge. That's for sure. And I mean, it, first few days was a um, reality check. I cannot deny the uh, limited sleep the constant bringing the dog outside because you have zero idea where the pee or poop is coming. Yep. Um, she's calming down with the biting and like she, she got like freaking Freddy Krueger claws in that mouth, man. And she was loving it. Like my wife was always like, she read a book and it's like, just squeak a toy. It'll be fine. And all when it's constantly happened, yeah, and the dog's on top of you, and like when it hits that sensitive piece, and you can't find a toy, that's the moment. For I, I remember like, oh! how I stopped Obi from doing that. I would just pretend that everything hurt, like unbelievable. Like if he nipped me a little bit, I'd be like, ow, 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 and like just do that every single time, and that that seemed to actually work after a while. But you have the you have the furniture chewing phase coming up soon. That'll come in a couple weeks as they get a little older. They'll start gnawing on the legs of your table and shoes. What hasn't happened yet? No, yeah, but you have a you have a lab on your hands. You might have a good year and a half of fun coming up. Yeah, um, I realize that, and um, you know, I got plenty of leashes just to combat it. But uh, we'll figure it out from here on. Did you chew on this table leg? Come here, (laughs) come here. No, no. Who wants a ride? Uh, so we'll we'll talk more about your dog um, after our guest because I think it is time to get to our guest. We 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 do have a couple great um, episodes lined up here, guest wise. Our last episode got some really good listens. Um, uh, Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries, and today we're shifting uh, to the sports world, um, if you will, specifically baseball. Um, as much as it kills me, the red-hot New York Yankees, specifically um, dealing with them, who the Yankees just don't seem to lose um, any games, really. It's basically they lose like one out of every seven, eight games. <laughs> They're like 30-something yeah. games above 500. Um, but I, So I guess it is a good time to get this, this man on the podcast. So today we have Sweeney Murdy joining us. Um, if you grew up in the... Uh, tri-state area where where Mike uh, originally lived with us, um, and you grew, listened to the fan WFAN sports radio. Uh, Sweeney Murdy has been the beat reporter for the New York Yankees for years and years, and the man is just a. Uh, actually, he just did play-by-play the other day. I saw John. Um, I don't know if it was Michael Kay was out or John Sterling was out, but he got to do a game uh, play-by-play. But he's been covering the Yankees for years during the World Series, during the last, uh, I think it's 20-something years he's been doing it now. We find out on his interview, originally he's a Phillies fan. Um, so he's got two unfortunate, unfortunate things um, happening mm. to him. But uh, our interview with uh, Sweeney was fantastic. Uh, he's just a great guy, super knowledgeable, and has one of the coolest jobs around. So here is our interview with Sweeney Murdy. 
up, Sweeney? Hi guys, how you doing? Great. Doing your, well. your picture was is epic when you sign on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what a I, uniform. Uh, I replaced that one. Oh, you know, I've got that. It's the 93 uh, yearbook of the World Series program. Yep. Yep. The good times in Philadelphia. Yep. I've got that one on this bookshelf back here, along with a bunch of others. Uh, my other picture used to be one of Dr. Dave Chokshi. Uh, <laughs> you live in New York, you probably don't know who that is. Problem. So, Sweeney, first off, thanks for uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your, your time here. That's Mike. I am Scott. And uh, first off, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, you're wait i'm sorry we're starting or yeah yeah we're starting we're we're ready to go <laughs> <laughs> um yeah your, your name is like uh you pretty much hear sweeney murdy you know you know the the yankees every fact we we get from the yankees seems to filter through you uh i just guess this is a pretty good season to <laughs> to have you on i mean they pretty much don't lose any games anymore so um do you find it when they're having a season like this, your job it becomes easier, or or the losing seasons uh, easier to do your job, or is it just completely different every year? You know, it, it's it's funny because a lot of times in the winter when the Yankees make a big deal, like they sign Garrett Cole or they make right. a big trade or something, so, you know, I, I get even people who are friends of mine come up to me and say, "Wow, you're really going to be busy this year, right?" Like, yeah. you're really. Mm-hmm. They play the same number of games every single year. Um, I, you know, and you spend the same number of hours at, uh, at the ballpark and doing the, all things. Right. My time is exactly the same. It's <laughs> always busy, right? Right. But what they're really saying is, I'm really going to be more interested in what you have to say this year. <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> they're good or whether you have the, a star player or like that. What they're really telling me is I'm going to pay more attention this year. Um, and it's a funny way of saying it. Like, you're really going to be busy. Like, I mean, yeah. th- you know, the season has been as long as it's always been. Right. So, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, minus 2020. The, um, the excitement is there. People want to talk about it more. Uh, that part is cool. Um, you're, you know, you're dealing with fewer negative things. A lot of times it's, oh, why did they lose? Why didn't they get this guy? Why didn't they win this and all that? And you're kind of trying to, you know, uh, do things and figure out answers to those questions. Now it's really just about, okay, uh, are they really this good? Right. What do they need to do to get even just a little bit better or finish the deal in October, which is really how anybody really wants to measure this anyway. Yeah. I mean, you kind of bring up something interesting. Like the, I mean, obviously with the Yankees being the Yankees, you're, there's no gray area. You love them. You hate them. I, I'm kind of curious being a reporter for them. Do you get the relative like hate towards it where somebody's like, oh, I don't, I can't stand you. And you're like, I, I'm just reporting on the team. I have nothing to do with what happened yeah. here. Yeah, most of the time, people's reactions are based on like the results, and you know, may uh, and sometimes maybe it's just frustration. And probably like when they double back, they recognize that I don't have any cause or relationship. I, I think a lot. I think a lot of the frustration and probably the last few years it comes whether it's like about Aaron Boone's job status or Brian Cashman's job status. I think people either want to believe or want me to have some sort of control over that like if i say the yankees should fire aaron boone then it's actually going to happen so when i get on social media that you know like 
whether it's commentary on Boone's job or Cashman's job, I kind of lay out what the realities of it are. Like, okay, listen, the Yankees don't fire managers in season. They haven't done it in over 30 years. I mean, maybe that you know your childhood with George Steinbrenner told you differently, but they don't do it. So, and they don't fire in the middle of contracts either. So yeah. wait till the end of the contract to see what happens. And I will tell you if the signals I'm getting from people around the team or people who think, you know, people who I, I trust to tell me what might be happening, I'll tell you the signals I'm getting or whether or not, you know, he'll keep his job or he won't. And nothing at any point in time over the previous two years told me that Aaron Boone's job was in jeopardy. So I, I think people would take that maybe to um, say that I'm kind of, you know, whatever they whatever they want to believe about it. It's not my job to tell you what I think should happen. It's kind of my job to tell you what I think is going to happen or, or, or why it's happening and what might happen um, and, and kind of, you know, jump off of, of those uh, avenues. Uh, so I, I don't have the power to make the decisions you want get done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with cutting a player or firing somebody. I can tell you what I think might happen and what road they're going to go down based off the information that I have gathered. But I'm not going to say Brian Cashman should be fired just so, you know, whatever callers to my radio station or followers on Twitter will pat me on the back. Yeah. Like that's not going, you know, just me saying it doesn't make it happen. So you, you touched on something I wanted to ask you. Um, the 2020 season, the pandemic season, what was that like as far as for you? Um, were you did you have access to in, in the building to the teams or was everything done remote? What, how was what big difference was that for you during that whole year? Everything was done over Zoom the way you and I are talking now. Okay. Uh, the only reason I have is Zoom my computer and figure yep. out what a, what a wonderful tool it really is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, it was different. And the, the thing I tell everybody is that I'm glad it was my 20th season and not my first season. Right. Because trying to get to, like, I, I already had an established relationship with a lot of people and was able, to, and the fact that you weren't always at the ballpark, it, was different and harder to do your job but i also had you know 19 previous years of experience of what happens around the park and how i kind of digested all that to give me a little frame of reference for what i was watching you know the the thing about going to the ballpark and doing your job is you get to talk to people who are doing it and ask them questions to help you figure out you know the whole picture and if that was my first year and I didn't have relationships with any of these people, I've never walked into a clubhouse or gotten to talk to people or seen the same situation play out maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have the frame of reference to you know, more accurately report it and describe it to the people that I was, I was talking to um, on the radio. So um, I'm glad that I had uh, experience behind me so that I, you know, it wasn't totally it, it wasn't totally out of the blue. If it was my first year and I had never met any, you know, if I, if my only interactions with players and coaches were over zoom, right. it would be a lot harder to, um, you know, to kind of give out the content that, um, you know, we, we wanted to try to strive for. And it, it was just easier to do with a little bit more experience behind me. What is a normal day? Like during the season, do you, are you capable of having off days? Can you go say, Hey, um, you know, Yankees aren't playing. I'm going to go see the Thor movie. Are you just pretty much like 
always on the phone, always chatting with somebody nonstop. You're, I mean, you kind of, yeah, I mean, you do it best you can. I've tried to get a little bit better at it. Um, when I first started, it was harder to do. Well, yes, no. When I first started, like my first year was 2001, it was a little bit harder to do because you're, you're always kind of feeling like you're missing something, but you didn't have iPhones and social media back then. Mm. So once those kicked in, now you're really in a, you're, you're in a scrolling cycle where, you know, every, you know, you're afraid to put your phone down. Uh, There was, I had a morning a couple of weeks ago. I didn't make the road trip. I was working from home and I played golf with a friend of mine uh, in the morning. Well, now this doesn't directly affect me, but it's just a reminder that things are happening. Joe Girardi got fired that morning. Okay. And because, well, because it's Joe Girardi um, and the person who took over from him is Rob Thompson, you know, um, there are connections to me and I have people reaching out to me say, Hey, can you, you know, what can you tell me about this? Can you help me reach this person, that person? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, am I hitting a, a, a five iron here or what, what <laughs> yeah. do I do? And, and I'm trying to, you know, the, the job is going on around you. Um, that happens constantly where the job is going on, whether, you know, I, I guess the analogy I use with people mostly is like, and I, and I don't know if this is a perfect example because I've never worked in this industry, but if you're in the financial business, you know, the stock market opens and closes at certain times, right? And whatever happens, like when it closes for the day, it closes for the day. It doesn't change. Well, especially with the rise of social media, there are constantly stories churning every hour of the day. It's always something's something's always being added to the mix and it's always changing. So it's hard to be away for a few minutes or an hour without thinking that you have missed something. Um, I told Jeff Perlman this story several years ago in 2014, July, 2014, I'm getting ready to go to the ballpark. I, my son was not quite a year old. So I put him down for a nap before I left for the ballpark. So I'm in his room for with him for about 15, 20 minutes. And when I come out, I check my phone and the Yankees have traded for Chase Headley. And I'm literally the last person to know about it because it happened while I was in my son's bedroom. Yeah. Uh, so you come out and now you're in this world where you're trying to say, okay, it, you know, do I, you know, my own, in my own mind, do people think I'm terrible at my job because I'm literally the last person to know the Yankees <laughs> traded for Chase Headley. Yeah. Everybody else knows about it. Uh, what can I add now to this story to make it seem like I have some sort of value to add into it? Because that's my job is talking about the Yankees. Um, and at that point in time, and you know, to this day, to still some degree, you can tell it does bother me that this is like people are going to make a perception off of how well I do my job based off of the information I'm giving them and in the timely manner in which I can give it to them. When in reality, at that point in time, I put my phone down to put my 11 month old son down for a nap. (laughs) I would hope that you'd give me a little bit of, you know, leeway on that one. But, you know, I understand we all, you know, these are the kinds of things I guess it, it, it's hard to explain to people that there isn't a, like, I don't know that it's going to happen at that particular point in time. And if I did, I might've done something about it. Right. If I known it was happening then, or, you know, you kind of, you know, there's not a schedule for those kinds of things. You know, I always say like what the trade free agent stuff is hard to, 
maneuver sometimes because there's no schedule for it. You know, the games are easy. You know, they print a schedule and tell you where they are and what time the games. Yeah, yeah. They want know <laughs> those things. The yeah. other things they don't want you to know, and you have to work to fi- figure it out. You do your best to learn. Okay. You know, by talking to people and sometimes, you know, and, and the th- funny thing is like, I could have, you know, that's a deal the Yankees have been working on for a while. I could have talked to anybody about it, you know, for the five days leading up to that deal and said, Hey, anything, anything. And it would have been nothing, you know, right. and the day it happens is the day it happens and you don't have it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It's, it's not perfect. And I'm not, you know, trying to make you, you know, feel sorry for me or anything. Um, I'm just saying like, there's, you know, there, there's always just little reasons as to sometimes you get a story. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. And you're always on. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. Nowadays it just feels, Oh, if I just done this, I could have gotten that story then. Yeah. And, that's why you grounded your 11 month son for interfering with your job. Right. Totally. Yeah. It hasn't been a lot. Through room How so. dare you? <laughs> so take us to your, your, your background. Were you always, always a baseball guy like was the intention to always w- try to work in the ba- in the major league baseball space or were you generally a sports fan and this found you somehow what was your, your you know your background getting into this so i was i was born in 1970 and i grew up in the you know late 70s early 80s the philadelphia phillies are my favorite team um and yeah i grew up there you go i grew up in harrisburg pennsylvania and right outside Middletown, Pennsylvania. And so the Phillies are in the late seventies, you know, one of the best teams in baseball. So, uh, and my parents said when they moved from India in the sixties, they had first settled in Philadelphia before moving out to Middletown. So we had, as a family, we were, you know, Phillies fans. And, you know, so that was kind of like everybody else. That's my, uh, that's my upbringing into the sports world. We just watching those, uh, those games. Now, when I'm 12 years old, I start seventh grade and in Middletown, Pennsylvania, there is a radio station at the middle school that anybody from grade seven through 12 can join and run. And it's a real working radio station, 91.1 on the FM dial WMSS. Uh, it's been operational since 1978 huh. and it serves the community in Middletown. And, you know, it's a regular radio station. You play music, you do news and weather and sports. Um and part of doing sports was, um, you know, broadcasting our school's football and basketball games. And I started to get into that. I was always a kid who, you know, loved baseball, baseball cards, statistics, and all those kinds of things, like the other sports too, but baseball was always just a little bit more fun. Um, and when I'm 12 and 13 and 14 is when I start getting this bug on the radio and announcing games and it all kind of clicks. I'm, I listen to Phillies games every night. Wait, those guys have a real job. Yeah. Like that's, that's a job. Um, and so all these things kind of click in my mind and move in the right direction. And I'm getting better at what I do and kind of have an idea like, okay, this is something I really want to do. Um, and the timeline ends up working out great because I'm in, I'm in high school in, in Pennsylvania. I don't know this, but on July 1st, 1987, WFAN comes on the air as the first all sports radio station. Four years later, I'm in college at Penn State. I applied for internships and I got an internship at WFAN in the summer of 91. Um, that set off a chain of events that has really just set up the whole rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, I got hired back at WFAN uh, almost a year after I graduated. Uh, from college and worked my way up there from, from the newsroom producer's role and, and uh, you know, eventually on air 
And, um, you know, that's kind of the Reader's Digest version of how I got to where I was. Uh, but, yeah, to you know, answer your original question, I always love baseball. Yeah, and it's just cool that you you found your interest so early, you know, like that you that you knew this kind of – that's pretty early, sixth, seventh grade, you know, like to kind of have an idea of what you want to do and carry it all the way out. I think by ninth grade is when it really – I was doing – you know, ninth grade, you're doing football games every Friday night in the fall, and then in the winter it was Tuesdays and Fridays, basketball. It was – I mean, it felt like a job, but it felt like fun, right? right? Yeah. And you're – I mean, all the way into, you know, March, you're, you're – I was broadcasting games every week, and I was like, yeah, this is what I want. And I was getting – you're getting positive feedback, and you're getting better at it. People are recognizing, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, listen, the red light goes on, and people are hearing you, and, and you're getting – better at it and that part just kind of started to become okay i think this is what i want to do with my life and um you know uh, a lot of other things happen along the way where you know some good fortune too yeah and you know you end up you end up all of a sudden you're you know 50 years old and you're still doing this it's awesome hmm. Out of curiosity when you become a reporter how much did you have to say okay have to turn off being a fan to be a reporter or vice versa did you have to really like just say because you can't just go in a locker room below holy crap they're jeter no. um like what is that like being a fan all your life and then kind of go okay now i'm a pro i gotta take it like this yeah great point well a couple of things helped me um i didn't grow up as a yankees fan so like I wasn't like in, you know, in living and dying with every Yankees win or loss. Um, I grew up as a Phillies fan. So but I also grew up as a baseball fan of baseball history. And I knew a lot about Yankees history, even you know leading in. So, I mean, I was in when I was in eighth grade, I think I bought a Mickey Mantle poster. Never saw the guy play retired yeah. before I was born. Right. Yeah. Um, but so there was some of that uh, built into me. Um, but I think. I, I had good training as I was learning in the business as a teenager. Uh, my friend John Wilsbach still runs WMSS in Middletown, and in the Harrisburg area, he is a uh, he's a local personality on the radio there that everybody in the area knows. Um, you know, does sports and traffic and different stations and things like that. Um, so he kind of trained me, and part of that was training me that. You know, you're there to do a job and you're, you know, you're I was in press boxes when I was a teenager and you kind of understood that this is how you're supposed to act and this is what you're supposed to do. And you kind of learn that as you go. Um, So I started covering games at like Shea Stadium and Yankee Stadium in the mid 90s as I was still a producer at WFAN and working some weekend games. You know, you kind of learn that. So um I think because I wasn't, I was covering teams that I wasn't attached to as a fan from a young age. That certainly helped me. Um, but I, it, and then when I started covering the Yankees, I, I kind of had to stop being a Philly fan because I couldn't watch them play anymore. You know, this is 2001, you know, it wasn't like I was attached, you know, I had, you know, MLB package on my phone. Yeah. It, it didn't yeah. exist. So I'm watching the Yankees game every night. I'm kind of looking to see, you know, uh, I'm looking to see what the Phillies did, but I'm not really, I'm not rooting for them anymore because I'm not really watching them anymore. So uh, that kind of disappeared slowly. And I get excited for the result of what I'm watching, but not to the idea. Like, I just like to say, wow, look what I just saw, you know, not like, 
Oh, my gosh, the Yankees won. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, lost. <laughs> it's just, you know, wow, do you believe what I just saw? I still have that level of excitement watching baseball sometimes. Uh, but I also recognize, you know, sometimes you have to show the excitement for the audience because, you know, I'm I'm on WFAN, part of the Yankees broadcast. Who's listening? Yankees fans are listening to that. Right. You got to show some level of excitement for that. But it's different that. But you're right. It's different than going up. I'm not, I wasn't walking into the clubhouse and patting Derek Teeter on the back. Saying, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, hopefully the professionalism won out there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm always curious. Uh, we've had a lot of bands and artists and, uh, you know, as a dad, you know, I'm a dad too. Um, what is the work-life balance? Like, because baseball can be a very long game. It could be a lot, of, you know, you're all over the place. Uh, you got rainouts and you're, or rain delays and, um, you know, it's a long season. What's the family balance? Like, how do you manage to be, okay, I got to be a dad and be at home, but then you're also, you know, it's a pretty grinding schedule baseball can be. And you're, you were kind of talking about it. You're kind of always on. How do you try, try to balance that work-life balance? Um. I think it's pretty similar to anybody else who has a family and has a job. Yeah. Right? Like I don't, I'm, I'm unique in that regard. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes, um, and there are other jobs where people travel for work, you know? And right. Like, so um, I think just one of the key differences is it's, you know, I tell people who want to get into sports all the time and they say, what's the downside or what's the, what's one of the negatives. I said, just remember, think about this. When do sports happen? They happen on nights and weekends. Yep. And, when are your friends having parties and when are your family having yeah. gatherings <laughs> nights and weekends? Okay. Right? So there's a sacrifice you're going to have to make along the way to miss certain things. And if you do end up, you know, at some point having a family like I have, it's, you know, you've got to figure out how to do that. And again, this isn't unique to, to me or people in sports and so people have jobs, you know, that, you yeah. know, in, in 2022, you know, it, you, we're always attached to phones and jobs go on. They're not just nine to five. Right. So um, I think it's like everything. I, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have a great, like, Oh, here's my secret yeah. because I don't think my problem is unique. You know, right. I, I think everybody goes through that. And the only thing I keep, you know, I talked to my wife about this once and I said, you know, it, it's like, when I'm home, I'm thinking a lot about work. When I'm at work, I am thinking a lot about home. Right. If you're trying to, you know, if you're doing both of those in some degree, then I think you're probably doing it right. Like if you're just ignoring one for the other at every time, then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it, it's not occupying the right balance yeah. in your mind. In do, your do your kids like baseball or do they think what you do is yeah. cool or? <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. starting to, I mean, they're, they're 10 and eight. So they're really yeah. at that age where it's, you know, that kind of stuff kicks in. They, they get to come to games sometimes and they're watching games and they know that that's where I go to work. And like, like they're different than me. Like they're, they're growing up as Yankees fans right? and they're rooting for the Yankees. And that's the other part of like, you know, trying to hold my objective nature. I, I'm trying to teach them how to be fans. Yeah. Like, I want them to be excited. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I have to show some of that excitement too. Too. And, um, and, and so I can't always hold that in, you know, there's a lot of cool things happening and, you know, they've gotten to experience some cool things because I have a, a different job and, um, you know, I hope there's a day uh, that, that, you know, is appreciated even more because, you know, listen, I mean, you know, 
when you're kids, this is just all part of your experience. And they, I think they know that my job is different, but um, yeah, they're really starting to kind of get into this. No doubt. That's cool. As being a baseball fan all your life, we're, when we were growing up seventies and eighties, it's always like this sport's been around for a hundred years. This is the play. This is how everything happens. And these last few years, now we've got interleague baseball. We got DH on both sides. We got the ghost runner in extra innings. Are you, as being a fan for this song, are you almost surprised how the rules are kind of changing and bending towards nowadays? I wish I knew who said this because I quote it often and I don't know who to give credit to. I, I read what I read somewhere once that someone said every baseball fan just wants the game to be what it was like when they were 10 years old. And the beauty is that means something different for anybody based on their age. Right. Right. Uh, if you grew up in the fifties or in the sixties or 70, eighties, nineties, whatever, you know, what the game looked like at 10 years old is very different, but that's the way you want it to be. And if you think about it, everyone's always talking about, you know, you know, I saw Mickey Mantle play. I saw Derek Jeter play like this is, you know, that's what you want it to be like. And it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot to that. I think because of think about where you are when you're 10 years old, you you're, you're now, you're, you're able to pick up a, you know, back in the day, you pick up a newspaper or now you go online. You can, you can, you can read an article written by an adult and understand pretty much every word, right. About whatever subject that you are studying, you can, uh, you can figure out like you, you knew enough math by the time you were 10 to figure out batting averages and earned run averages. And those are cool things to try to keep up with. Yeah. Uh, and you understood what, what the standings were and how many games behind and, you know, figuring winning percentages and what the records meant. And like that, that 40 home runs is a lot. And, you know, uh, all these kinds of things uh, about the game made sense to you in a present sense and historical sense. And, and what else did you have to worry about? You were 10, right? Right. You had nothing else going on in your life that required that kind of attention. But I, I think we get that with everything, right? Like we we love the movies from our childhood. We love the music, yeah. you know, and you're always like, I yeah. want it that way. You know, I'm, those are the yeah. best, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I think that's what shapes how we view things. So when things change to the kind of things that you're talking about, Okay, it takes some thought and adjustment to it, and, and your first instinct is to say, "Yeah, I don't really like that." But if you kind of digest, like the game changes, everything changes, right? And I, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, who none of us like change, right? We we all like just, you know, it's hard to adjust to change. Yeah, and um, I, I I think. I'm not, I don't want to get too wrapped up in the, oh, it was better in my day and I hate this and I hate that. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, the game's like, I, whatever decisions get made, whatever changes get made, that's the game that I'm going to have to watch and cover and talk about. So, yeah, it doesn't do me very good to keep saying, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, because it happened whether I liked it or not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's dissect this and talk about it and figure out, okay, why is this happening? Because because we're not going back. You know, it, every the things aren't going backwards. Now maybe you alter things and there are shifts and changes in how how things get done, you know, trends always move in different ways, right? And the sport will always uh, there will always be adjustments made. But 
this idea that we're just going back to the way it was is it's not true in anything. Right. Sweeney, I want to thank you. Uh, for giving us your time today. Um, I know you're an extremely busy guy, and, and uh, we appreciate hearing your story and, and, and still hearing how passionate you are for what you do. Um, you know, if you could tell the Yankees to kind of stop winning so much, because the Mets are having a hell of a season over here, and they're just getting overshadowed, yeah. you know? like <laughs> well, Don't let it be overshadowed, because, you know, <laughs> nothing gets overshadowed until, you know, you're the one who's deciding it's getting overshadowed, right? Yeah. Don't let somebody else rain on you. <laughs> Enjoy this. Enjoy what you're doing. So <laughs> You're right. Go third place Phillies. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about them <laughs> either. Story. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, listen, there, it'll all come to a head at some point, right? Yeah. Um, don't don't let anybody else bring you down. Enjoy what you're watching. Yeah. So I guess my my last question for you before you go, you've been doing this for quite a long time now, um, and we, we talk about you know you don't sell show your fandom, but was there one uh, Yankee team that was like your favorite to cover over the years, or that was just magical, a group of group of guys, or whatever it was, or the or you just kind of separate them all in different, you know, file them away separately. You know, I I guess the only World Series winner that I got to cover was two thousand nine. Oh, um, that's true. We don't, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. One. We don't talk about that. Next question. Well, Next question. You know, well, you know, it's funny though because that was the 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 crux of that was like really determining. Okay, how far have I come from my childhood? Because I'm covering the Phillies versus the Yankees. Yeah. You know? My World Series preview that I wrote for our website that day was just all about like I was. I could not figure this out. I'll try to tell you the shorter version of the story, but I'm trying to write something for our website and it's the night before game one of the world series. And I, 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 I got nothing. I'm sitting on my couch. It's almost midnight. And I'm going, I don't know how to do this. You know, I, I was just tired. Cause they, we just, we just come back from a cross country flight with uh, the Anaheim series and you're working every day in the angel series. And I'm sitting around my couch and like the world series starts tomorrow. I'm, I got to get to sleep. I don't know what I, I need to write something. I don't know what to write. And the whole time I'm being conflicted because like, this is the team I grew up rooting for. And I think, I think there's enough people in the audience who understand that. And they're probably like, I don't know if they really understand it. Do they think I'm rooting for the Phillies? Do they think I'm, I want the Yankees to lose? Like how do, how, what are they thinking and what do I do about it? So I said, all right, let's just tell the whole story. So I, I just wrote, here's my story. And the things I told you guys early, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania and, and how I learned to love baseball and, and end up in New York and working where I do. And I, I wrote that story and I attached to the story a picture of me at probably eight or nine years old wearing a Phillies T-shirt. And that got a better response than I think my great line in that was uh, the beginning was, you know, I. I've covered the Yankees since 2001. I grew up rooting for the Phillies. World Series is about to start. The Schmidt has hit the fan. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll play on both words, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I laid it all out there and I told people, you know, who I was and how I got here. And I don't know how I'm going to react, but I'm going to try to do my job. And it got a really good reaction um, from a lot of people who, you know, who didn't know all um, the details of my background and how I got to where I was. Well, 
the thing that cinched it for me where I understood, well, going back, you know, to 2000, I went to the 2008 World Series because the Yankees weren't in the playoffs that year. And, you know, the Phillies got all the way. And I, and I went to pretty much every Phillies home game in that playoff run. And I was sitting in the stands during the World Series with, you know, I went with old high school friends, college friends uh, to all these games. And after the Phillies won the World Series in 08, last out, I'm kind of looking around and I'm looking around saying, these guys are enjoying this so much more than I am. This isn't my Phillies team anymore. Like right. I, I don't know who Eric Bruntlett is, you know, it's like, I, you know, <laughs> honestly. So like my Phillies are Schmidt and Luzinski and Carlton and, and Boone and Boa and oh, yeah. uh, all these guys. So um, I, I recognized sitting there in the stands the night the Phillies won the world series in 08 that like it was gone. I'm, I'm liking this, but I'm not loving this, right. okay? I was 10 when they won the World Series. Going Again, going back to what it was like when you were 10. I was 10 in 1980. That was my World Series. Yep. That was my team. I'm sitting in the stands in 08 as a 38-year-old adult going, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in 09, I get there, and the Phillies are playing the Yankees, and I I had a blast. Jason Stark said, it's the Sweeney Murdy World Series. I'm like, this is awesome. I had a blast going to every game. I drove to every game. Didn't have to get on airplanes. And, you know, my whole baseball life, my professional life was wrapped up in those six games. I loved every minute of going to those games and being at those games and watching them. And... Um, when it was, you know, Chase Utley had five home runs in that World Series. My first reaction after every single one was to turn my head to the monitor to see what was that pitch? How did, what happened? And so I wasn't, you know, screaming, jumping up and down. I wasn't yeah. doing anything. I was doing my job. So, but I remember when that was over, I didn't get to cover any of the, I was working in New York. I was working at FAM, but I wasn't covering the beat in 96, 98, 99, 2000. I, w- I went to the stadium for different things and covered different things, but not the same way as I did in 2009. And so I remember in 2009, the World Series is over. After I got interviews with everybody uh, in the clubhouse, the one thing I made sure to do is I shook their hand and said, hey, congratulations. Like I, because like, these guys all knew me now because I'd been around for a while. And even the people that were there, like they, I was there with them from the first day of spring training to the end. I know what the journey's like. And that's what really I've learned over the course of all this time in, in covering baseball is, you know, it's, it's hard, right? You, you show up in February yeah. and you're trying to get to the end of October. And in this case, it was early November. You're trying to get there and you're trying to, and, and to, to finish standing with the trophy, like that's hard. And I understood that. And I wasn't trying to be part of their celebration. I just, because you saw these guys every single day, I just, you know, and I wasn't, again, I wasn't patting them on the back and jumping up and down. I just shook their hand and said, congratulations. And I want to make sure I, I tried to make sure, do that to almost everybody I could in the room. Uh, Cause I knew what the journey was like. And it was, it was fun for me to watch it that up close. Right. Um, and not, you know, not worrying about the fandom part of it. I just, I just, you know, I just really enjoyed doing my job that way. Love it. Sweeney, thank you so much for your time. Um, enjoy this this season. It could be a magical one. Um, maybe there will be a Subway series at the end of it. Uh, who knows? But uh, thank you so much for your time, and we really appreciate talking to you today. I'm just dreading what I've missed while on my phone while we've been uh, talking. <laughs> and I can't believe phone. Judge is on the IL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Aaron Judge's Terrible. arbitration decision came in, and I'm going to be the last one to <laughs> do that there, right? 
Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Mike. Sweeney Murdy. I, I am a little jealous of how many great baseball seasons that guy has probably covered. Like, the beat reporters for the Mets and Phillies, they get an exciting season. You know, like once every five years or so he seems you know he i think that, what is it the yankees have gone under 500 or have gone haven't gone under 500 in like 20 years or, or something ridiculous like that i mean something crazy like that i mean they always pay about half a billion to their gang so it can't be a surprise like that rp you know we're usually like oh my god we're three games above 500 oh yeah. my god no well, I, I have a feeling Uncle Stevie Cohen is going to be um, he's going to be paying the billions now. So it's kind of kind of exciting here as a as a Met fan. The guy seems to have endless cash flow, but you know it's the Mets, so something's going to happen that's going to derail this whole exciting train that's that's uh, moving this season. Not to go all sports here, but did you hear uh, about Juan Soto at the All Star Game? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I did watch the but, home run derby. Well, uh, so Juan Soto is like a great baseball player. For those who don't know, he plays for the Washington Nationals. Hopefully a future uh, the Nationals. Yeah, he possibly. he. I think they offered him 10 years at $440 million, Yep, 440 correct. Yep. And he, uh, he basically said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's he hates the team, he thinks he can do better or whatever, but he said no. So out of spite, usually these teams, when they have an all-star, they pay for their player to go there. They get him on a gen and all that. He had to fly coach because they were no so way. spited because they didn't pay. He didn't accept their contract offer. Wow. They said, find your own way there. Hmm. And he didn't, he didn't buck up first class. He just rode coach with everybody. I mean, maybe it's a joke they said it was coach. But <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the only thing available. I don't know. Maybe he was on Spirit Airlines uh, just to uh, get there quickly. Yeah, that'd be great if you're, like, sitting next to me, you know, a guy who's, like, scraping pennies to pay for Disney Plus, um, and he's sitting next to a guy worth a, <clears throat> almost a half a billion dollars um, <laughs> within the next couple of years. Uh, hey, buddy, That's you know. when I tell my child to cry a lot and punch the back of his seat. It's yeah, like, yeah. all right, if you're too cheap to get a first-class seat, I'm going to make you pay for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like ask him if you could have some of his peanuts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find out what his favorite soda is and say, I would like 12 cans of it. Yeah, so yeah. Can't get- <laughs> Just keep talking his ear off during the flight. Sir, do you really need all that fresca? Yes, I do. <laughs> Juan Soto is not getting my fresca, okay? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he uh, if they'll trade within the division. Um, the Mets, the owner, will certainly do it, so it would be interesting. But there's always the Yankees. There's always the Dodgers. There's always those kind of teams hovering around. And then I could also see some random team like the Giants or the Cardinals sweeping in and grabbing him. So, well. We'll see. We'll see. I'm always a little nervous about going. I guess that's probably the Met fan in me. Like we never go all the way in. <laughs> we always get like well, one yeah. one guy, and then we're kind of like, ah, we're cool with him, you know. And then don't surround them. So getting that kind of like having <laughs> Lindor's contract and <laughs> a Soto contract on the same team is a little a little frightening. But I'm all I'm all for it nowadays. Now I'm like, this must be what it was like to be the Yankees in like the '90s, where no other teams had like. Buku bucks like that, and just must have been all really fun to be a Yankee fan. Well, my wife, being 
such a jaded Mets fan. Like, even as we were explaining to her as the season was going along, no, you don't understand. Like, the Mets have, like, a real team right now. This is really scary. They can do something. She's like, nope, <laughs> nope. And it's like, no, no, you don't understand. She's like, I know the Mets. I know the Mets. I, yeah, I know more, what's like, happen. we've had real teams over the years, but we have a real owner now. Like, that's that's what the yeah. – like, we've had those – that 2016, then we made the World Series in 15 or whatever it was. We've had some real teams along the way, but we've never had, like, many years of success in a row. And a guy – like, the Wilpons never – made more than like one big signing it was never like let's get a whole bunch of guys in here so that's to change the real thing it's not like we've had great teams we've had great players but we've never had like the those phillies years the utley i just call them the utley years the utley howard rollins <laughs> years that that was a nice yeah. like five-year clip of really good baseball well maybe when like congress throws my football team's owner in jail maybe your owners can dabble into a new sport or something oh, and all so, that. that would be nice a decent owner for once in a football stevie cohen just come purchase the commanders too yeah yeah and the, give us our fourth name you know it must be like nice that. to have so much money that you're just like bored and be like eh, maybe i'll buy a baseball team you know like he's got so much money yeah. where like they said that like the money he's spending on the mets literally doesn't affect his cash flow like it's just like play money yeah. It's like if you went on Xbox and made your own super team, and you're like, <laughs> I'm playing with play money. Like, that's what these guys are like. Yeah. Meanwhile, when I go into Moe's and once in a while I'm looking at the menu, I'm like, do, do I want steak? And then I look, plus 229. Yeah. Oh, check in. Yeah. I go to Chipotle and like, they're like, it's an extra dollar for an avocado. I'm like, hmm. <sighs> I was hoping to buy a baseball team in a few years. I don't think I can <laughs> get that avocado. Mm. Yeah. But uh, Sweeney Murdy, everybody. Sweeney Murdy. Mike, what have, I have learned that I have realized this about myself, that um, having, a, having a wife is a, is a good thing for me. Um, oh, I, really? Because I've been living by myself. Like, I've had my son, but he'll go to daycare during the day, which is good, and been trying to get this house together. But I've realized if I lived completely by myself, I don't think I would, I have any need for plates. Um, I just pick at food all day out of the fridge. I yeah. don't think um, I don't think I have need for 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 just about anything. Like I I just completely throw out like the lifestyle that I'm used to, like with my wife and family during the time, and I just completely throw it out the window. I I don't do. And like I've been wearing, like I'm a shower guy too. But like I've been wearing this shirt now. I, I think I slept in it last night. Put it back on this morning after mm -hmm. I showered. Um, I I feel like all living goes just like out the window. Any standards of living go out the window when 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 the cat's away, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I feel like first we had the COVID years where it's like, all right, now I can do without friends or whatever. But I think we're now getting to the part where like when when our spouses go away it's just like all attempts at being lively in <laughs> any way just go flinging out the door in any direction like you you get to the point where you just like i i could probably just survive in a cave and yeah like i could probably have a plate one fork one coffee cup maybe mm -hmm. 
maybe like a week's worth of shirts and clothes. And I think I'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> Perfect. yeah. Like I, I do think about like when I was going through a divorce and I was living by myself. I do remember like my fridge being like three pieces of pizza, a bag of apples and like <laughs> the Brita pitcher full of water and then like a six pack of yeah. beer. That was my fridge. There's always that random thing in there. Like I, me being single, I'm like, why do I have baking soda in the fridge? I mean, I know that's what you're supposed to do, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I mean, I, I, I look how disgusting the insides are and you don't wipe it out and all those things rot in there. You, you don't care, but then you're like, well, the baking soda will make it fresh. I mean, I'm walking around in my boxers, just watching like, uh, I, just watching dumb television. Like, it, it's not necessarily a good thing because I surely miss my wife. But this is definitely like a, uh, oh yeah, you're kind of a bag of shit when nobody's around. <laughs> when nobody's around, like, yeah, I pep, I sit there with my dog. We just don't do anything. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's kind of like the single life purge. There's just no rules. Nobody cares. You you probably sit back and it's like, yeah, I could probably kill somebody if I wanted. And then you're like, ah, I'm too tired. And yeah. then I would have to wash my one spoon that I got, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, like I think I think about like like your apartment before you met Izzy, right? You had like a glass head on the table. You had like well, a- that was fashionable. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it had sunglasses. It had sunglasses on, right? So yeah, it, it, it was uh, full of beads. It had sunglasses. It had a do rag that I brought back from India. It was it was my cool glass skull head and all, and I appreciated it. But of course, you, your wife, my wife, all teamed up to destroy him uh, during my fortieth birthday celebration. So I thank you all for that, and I, I would still will remember that. I remember texting your wife and being like, "You got to get me the head." You gotta get, like, you gotta get me the head somehow, um, and she like smuggled it out of, out of the apartment um, <laughs> because the head was a, a a hot topic of conversation between it. Like, no one could figure out what you were going for with the head. Like, was it like, and it was like it's the centerpiece. Just different. <laughs> that, that's the answer. Go into anybody's house. See if you see a glass head. No. All right, Burlu's original. Okay. Did you pick I can't out? Explain it. Did were you shopping and you're like, that's the piece for me, the head. It was literally I was it spoke bored to you. by yep. myself, <laughs> just walking around. I, I think I was I, I now I was at I was going to see some movie at the AMC and um, and you brought your head in Jersey. No, no, I didn't bring my head and. No. <laughs> this is my date. <laughs> We're going to see the new Ghostbusters movie together. Come here, no, come um, here head. Uh, it's just, I got there early. It's like, all right, let me kill time. There's a Pier 1, like, on the corner, just walking around. Something about, I'm like, all right, that's unique. And then, like, I, I picked it up, and I'm looking around, and it's like, oh, you know, beads are here. Maybe I can put it on a plate and fill it with beads and... So you were, you know, then it was just that for a while. And so it wasn't then, even just a head. You were going for accoutrements, if you will, to yeah. to make your own like focal yeah. piece. Like someone's going to come through the door and be like, "Damn, this guy can design." Well, I mean, by itself, it just would be a clear glass head. So there's nothing sparkly or interesting about that. I just figured, well, like. I, I thought about sand. I thought about beads. I, I but uh, it, I forget. It was like it was kind of like uh, like fake stones. I remember, fellow. They were red and green, and 
put it on there and then one day put the sunglasses on there just to be like, oh, that <laughs> looks funny or whatever. So and the, then, thought, uh, the thought that crossed your mind at one point was like, maybe if I get some sand and put a head in it, this... And then you're like, no, nah, no, nah, sand's not the was, right, sand's not the right well, uh, I, medium. It's, <laughs> well, it's hard because like you gotta, you fill the head with sand, but you know you fill it. It's like you fill it in on the neckline, so you'd have to turn around the head full of sand onto a plate, and that'd just be like too wild and messy and crazy and heavy. And, right. I mean, it, it took a couple tries just to do the beads thing, so. So you were so one day you decide okay I got my head I got my beads mm-hmm. and I just picture you mm-hmm. like taking a couple hours out of your day to design this head like you know you're sitting out on the carpets laying out all your pieces and testing to get the beads into the head and then when you were done you were like this is it this is the piece I mean I didn't act like oh this is it I just like oh that's that's cool you know and put it on the the coffee table I had and all the cheap one that I had that was like I like Ikea's like twelve dollar coffee table, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah. But that was just something that's like, all right, and there's some decoration. So you were like the head. head is gonna pull together my NASCAR shrine and my uh-huh. Phillies and, and Redskins shrine and pull it all together and that that was gonna be whatever girl walked into that establishment was going to basically just throw you in the bed and 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 have her way with you. Well, I mean, I didn't declare that was like the official now I've made it in the world, but it made me happy for a while. Sorry. <laughs> it made the head made me happy. Uh, yeah. All right, Al Snow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have realized that I need somebody or something to uh, to motivate me a little bit because there is it almost feels like the same day just happening over and over and over again like there's nothing mm-hmm. that really motivates me to do like i'm i'm trying to get the house in order because we moved in in like like a week ago and i do that for like an hour or two and then i go all right now what and i sit around and i basically stare and don't think about anything not creative like i feel like maybe having a wife is what motivates me to do things to get away from her during that time. <laughs> like maybe I'm motivated with the little time I have, like, Oh, I need an hour to go accomplish something rather than having all this time by myself yeah. where I don't accomplish anything. Yeah. you you do more in the world when we give you a crumb of yes. what you think you need. Like you said, if I had 24 hours, I'd read like 10 books and uh, I would build this cabinet and that, that uh, play that I was going to write, I'm going to, finish that up and develop characters yep. no it's you get the full day like ah uh, but if somebody like puts a gun to your head like you got five minutes you probably could accomplish like half of that stuff yeah like today my my big day was dropping my son off at daycare i took mm-hmm. cardboard to the recycling center and then whoa, i went whoa whoa yep. what yep. hold up Yep. Like, like, like how thick of cardboard we're talking oh, about? Oh, we're talking a lot of boxes. A lot of boxes oh, from man. moving. That yeah, had to you be just recycled. moved. Oh, dang. That, that's a lot of cardboard right there. Yeah, and drove man, more. Then on the way home, I, got, I went and got lunch by myself in a restaurant by myself, which is always a weird now, experience. Now, did you sit in the restaurant did. by yourself lonely in the corner with your little happy meal? What's or? funny is I... 
I was like, oh, I'll like check some emails and read some stuff. You know, like I, I've actually come around to the eating by myself thing. I've done it a few times. And it's like I brought my laptop before to get some stuff done. And I found it enjoyable. But where I went, I sat in the corner. And I don't know, because they have the, like metal ceilings, like those old copper ceilings. And to the right of me was like a metal wall. And I realized that I was just getting no service. I was essentially in like a metal box. So I did not know Uh what to do. So basically, I sat there and stared at the people in the restaurant and ate Mm -hmm. by myself with nothing to do and trapped by my own thoughts. Terrible experience. Like the... There's families coming in. The kids like that. That bearded man looks lonely, mommy. And she's like, she, "Don't go near him. I don't. I don't trust him. Yeah. He looks too lonely. If he asks you to pick up some cardboard, don't do it." <laughs> hey, kid, you want to help me bring some cardboard to the to the center? <laughs> <laughs> Ran out of candy. This is the next best thing, kid. <laughs> I, yeah, like I, I essentially become my dog. Um, when I'm home by myself, like I do nothing. I don't want to do anything. It's too hot out right now. I don't feel like doing shit. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting my wife's return and all of a sudden I'm gonna be painting rooms and, and getting things done. And, but you know, um, but yeah, I, I think that's where we're going to wrap it today. Um, I just imagine her coming back and you're all excited. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? She's like, I just came back from Israel. Yep. Can, can I get 10 minutes? No, no, don't give me more free time. Please, no, don't do it. I got to go back to the metal restaurant. <laughs> I got to go back to my metal box. Uh, um, Berlu, anything to promote before we roll? Uh, I'm going to promote a lovely little coffee shop I found in Ball Ground, Georgia, Barrel House Coffee Company, Scott. Uh, I really dig these people. This what is, is the town? Ball Ground? Ball Ground, Georgia. Uh, it's about an hour away from my house, and I we visit him just because we love the place and all. They got all the stuff that you would see at your regular Starbucks for great prices. It's military-owned. Some people came, came out of service, do it. They barrel-age the coffee to take the bitterness out of it. They have like tons of flavors. They're so delicious. They, if you wear some of their merchandise, you get twenty percent off, and they also give you a little punch card after your tenth coffee. Guess what? You get one free. <laughs> ah. It's amazing. It's a beautiful little town, Fall Ground. I advise all of you to go visit it. And the place is called Barrel House Coffee Company. I like I, every time I get those like punch cards. Like I, we have one here at the ice cream shop in town. Um, I have one for the haircut place I go to, like your tenth. I always lose them before. Oh yeah, yeah. I always lose them before I'm done, or I forget always when them. you're one punch away. <laughs> yeah. Always, you're just like son of a. <laughs> you mean I got paid for your coffee too? Yeah, where the where the, the the thought of like, okay, I'll get the blank one and punch them out myself, and then you can't do it because they use like a special star or something. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have not uh, the people of Barrel House Ca- Coffee Company, Scott. No, no, no. <laughs> And I'll just quickly promote ourselves um, just because it's been a couple weeks. Uh, we are still going. Don't worry. We'll be back on our weekly schedule very shortly. Uh, we do have like three or four interviews already in the can of some really uh, great guests. Uh, so please check us out. We're on all streaming platforms. You guys gave us a lot of listens um, 
last week, so please keep that up. Uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, um, and we're pretty much on everything you could think of, Amazon, uh, Stitcher, even though that's been acting weird lately. I don't know, if maybe people just don't use it anymore. I don't know. Uh, Podbean, uh, Spotify, all that stuff we are on, Google Play, uh, things like that. So guys, uh, I want to thank uh, Sweeney Murdy for coming on. I hope his Yankees slow down, because I just, you know, I live in this area, so it'd be nice for them to suffer a little bit, but uh, not Sweeney. I hope, I hope he has a, 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 a flourishing career like he does. But any other than that, guys, life is funny. We'll laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. See you in six weeks, everybody. Ha, ha, ha.